It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we are here to talk about everybody's favorite part about playing Dynasty, at least I think. And that's sleepers. Because there's no better feeling, Colin, than when you get into the third and fourth round of your rookie draft and you hit on a player that makes a big impact on your team. You make yourself feel good. You make everybody else just awestruck at your natural drafting talent. I mean, what else could you ask for? Exactly. I mean, the guys that come out of those late rounds, your Amon Raz, your Cooper Cups, I mean, they can change your entire, you know, dynasty team going forward. I mean, everybody talks about how you need to hoard the first round picks because the hit rate is so high. But, you know, when you hit on that third round player, the the success of your team just completely shifts. Especially if you're one of those good teams and you you dealt your first for an aging running back maybe. And so, you know, you're, you're in a little bit of a sticky situation. You, all you got is like 305 and 308. Well, you hit on a couple of these guys and you'll be, you'll be feeling pretty good. So we are going to talk about several different layers of sleepers in this class. We are going to be talking about your standard everyday sleeper, which is a player that you could probably draft in the third maybe the fourth round, potentially. Then we also have some deep sleepers. These are some players that you might not draft at all. They might not be drafted in your league, depending on how many rounds you got going. But they are players to watch for, to keep your eye on, to monitor through the process, because they could have a big impact. And then, of course, we're not going to forget about IDPs either. We have several tiers of just IDP sleepers to talk about. That is your average sleeper, your deep sleeper. And how about a deeper sleeper <laughs> on the IDPs? So we're, I'm feeling it coming off of the, our, our final IDPs rankings episode last week. So I'm ready to talk some more IDPs today. And, and to, to that point, if you have followed along with the ranking series leading up to this episode over the last few weeks, some of these names might be familiar to you, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into all of them um, and, and explore what their role and what the impact that they could have may be. So without further ado, should we do this thing? Absolutely. I'm going to let you start. Give me your sleeper, regular sleeper, number one. So we did this kind of draft style we where did. in our prep where we so went back and forth. You picked first, uh, but I'll start with mine, which is Houston Texans wide receiver Tank Dell. So the – Wide receiver room in Houston is a as bare a cupboard as you'll find. I mean, you got Bobby Trees signed there. You got Nico Collins, who is a on some people's radar as a breakout candidate. Uh, and then you got 
Tank Dell, who was a very productive receiver at Houston. Didn't even have to move, which I kind of love. Uh, they took him in the third round, pick 69. Nice. Uh, he, I mean, it's this electric receiver that they don't really have in that room at all. Like, he's a, even if Nico Collins is good, Tank Dell is a completely different body type, completely different play style. You know, Nico is the X, go and win perimeter on the perimeter and, you know, go do the jump balls and the fades and, you know, you you know the kind of player Nico Collins is. But Tank Dell is the, you know, shifty slot receiver that can get the ball in his hands, make people miss, you know, wins with his route running ability and likely will be in the slot pretty often as a 5'10", 165-pound player. So it, it's this could be a receiver that is soaking up a lot of C.J. Stroud's targets, uh, especially since he went out and vouched for him on draft night and said yo go get me this guy and i mean i totally understand why yeah so this is what i'm saying like this is definitely a name that if you followed the process you'll probably be familiar with and if you followed us at camp dynasty you're certainly familiar with the name tank dell but but it is a good reminder here and we'll talk about this with some upcoming players as well that these are sleepers. These are not players that are expected to have, you know, significant roles. At least that's what it appears on the surface. But I like what you just said there. This wide receiver room, and we've talked about it before, there are so many opportunities available. And there's a lot of guys that could seize hold. Guys like Nico Collins, Guys like John Mechie, who re- returns, you know, as a second-round draft For, pick. Forgot about John Mechie. Well, but that's the thing. These are yeah. all question marks. So a guy like Tank Dell, who gets that day two capital, who is, uh, you know, the C.J. Stroud's buddy, apparently. <laughs> that stuff can go a long way, I think, in this sort of an environment here, especially with Stroud, assuming that Stroud will be the starter this season. Um, so, yeah, Tank Dell becomes a an interesting player then in the third round where I'm thinking of names like in the past, players of this body type, Tutu Atwell. Not the same player, let's get that out there, but going to be a similar situation i think on the on draft night this you know tutu atwell say what you will about him had round two capital there was cause to draft that player uh in the fourth round and the guy like tank dell uh you know it's i i'd see drafting him in the late third potentially even so uh there is a lot of upside here it's a good player really good football player the size is a concern uh but i love the value that you're getting with tank dell uh, in that range in the draft. Yeah, and that that's where we we talk about these guys where you're looking at our our definition of a sleeper was like for our our sleeper our main first sleeper like Tank Dell and your player that you'll talk about next was a guy that you can get, you know, probably mid to late third. You know, the, these are the players that uh, still have a little buzz around their name, are still kind of, you know, they, they may, might be rising up the board a little bit. The, you know, 
guys that might be you might want to trade for once you start getting late in the third and you're like let me package a third and a fourth just to get up to grab this kind of player and then yeah we'll get deeper as we go but uh yeah tank Dell is a, a a very interesting player that we like you said have talked about for a while now and i should i should point out as i did not do at the start of this very negligently we are operating for this exercise under the keep trade cut dynasty rookie consensus board how you know it's a it's a crowdsourced thing we're looking at it in terms of where are folks valuing these players versus where we're valuing them or where we see a potential for significant value in that spot so that all being said Tank Dell right now on on their list, on the crowdsource list, is 30th overall. So that ends up being middle to the back half of the third round. Um, right. So the, the value lines up there, and that's, I think, where we landed with, with Tank. And, and the same can be said for my first player, Michael Wilson. This is probably not a surprise, because I think a lot of people have sort of picked up on this coming, even even rewind all the way back to when Michael Wilson's you know draft journey really began, which was the Senior Bowl. There was a lot of buzz around this name coming out of Mobile. And I think for anybody who's followed the process that closely, they're familiar with this player. And they also are familiar with the fact that that Michael Wilson went to the Arizona Cardinals as a day two pick. So all of those stars sort of aligned here for a player that go back to December, last December, no one's really talking about him at all. But I think we have now reached a point where, like you said, Colin, I had the first pick in this little sleeper draft, and I took Michael Wilson with the first pick because I do think – that this player is the guy in the third round this year that I am trying to get. If I if I don't have to, you know, spend 301 on him, if he's going at the in the range that it where he currently is sitting, which right now is 32nd overall, towards the back half of the third round, if I'm in that range from 30 to 34 and Michael Wilson is on the board, I'm taking him because there is a significant chance with a guy like Michael Wilson that we have just been late, that everyone has been late to this party because of the injuries that that plagued him in college. Because what you see when he's on the field is really, really nice. And there is going to be opportunities for him in Arizona. Hopefully the quarterback situation improves next year, but we'll worry about that bridge when we get to it. I still like the spot a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned the DeAndre Hopkins thing where we don't really know. It's kind of similar to the Houston situation. You know, like we don't know who's going to be the wide receiver one here. We assume it's going to be Hollywood. Uh, He hasn't had the cleanest bill of health in his career. So, uh, you know, and we got the, the Colt McCoy offense until we got the Kyler offense, you know. So uh, the the Rondale Moorhive may come come out after this, but I think Michael Wilson has the ability to complement Hollywood very well. 
And he's a, yeah, exactly. He's a different player than the kind of guys that they have there. It's been speed, 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 speed. Cliff Kingsbury bringing in these smaller, speedy guys. Now you have a guy like Michael Wilson, pure possession receiver, brings something completely different to this offense minus, you know, the post DeAndre Hopkins era. Yeah, and he's very solidly built for his size. Like he wears his weight well on his frame, and that makes him pretty good at contested catches on top of that and uh he's a, a very technical receiver where he's getting open on time so there's a lot of good to come with Michael Wilson and I think he has the the mold of a high volume receiver like the pepper this guy with targets because he's open all the time and can make things happen with the ball in his hand and then he also can be very good in the red zone. So there, there's a lot to like with Michael Wilson, especially in this draft spot. So, yeah, this is probably the number one. I mean, we called him like the like Mr. Sleeper for this process. <laughs> yeah. And and since the, uh, the DeAndre Hopkins uh, cut since Michael Thomas – or Jesus, Michael Thomas <laughs> – can't even think since deandre hopkins was cut michael wilson has rose in adp pretty significantly he rose seven spots in adp since then so there there is a little bit of an ascension and who knows how high that gets by you know when you're drafting but if he's available in that third round this is a guy you should be going out and getting Man, that, that's a great point. I mean, the, a lot of times these players tend to almost the, – people overcorrect almost when it's like the yeah. Hopkins news and now suddenly Wilson flies up the board. Maybe he won't even be a sleeper by the time, you know, in, yeah. in a month's time. But right now, definitely love the value. Um, yeah. We're staying – we have two for each of these offensive categories. So give me, Colin, your second regular sleeper. Yeah, this is a player that we have talked about a lot in the process. Like, this is a a guy that has been at camp all season. Had to get him back one more time, baby. I had to get him back one more time. <laughs> we got Zach Evans in the building. Uh, so – had an interesting season at Ole Miss, a pretty solid season, if we're going to be fully honest. I mean, he wasn't as bad as I think a lot of people uh, are imagining he was. I, I mean, he had a better season in 2022 than he did in 2021 when he was like, a, oh, this is a breakout college prospect. Well, he had, I mean, 50 more carries, 300 more yards four more touchdowns like he had a solid season at Ole Miss and then he fell pretty far in the draft and that's I think what turned out turned a lot of people off is that he went in the sixth round but he went in the sixth round to the Rams and that is the interesting part because as we know Achilles injuries are debilitating we we see it with almost every single player that tears an Achilles they their athleticism is completely sapped and eventually it just starts to break down and you don't have the same pop that you used to have well cam Akers has not really looked good since he came back from his achilles injury 
And Zach Evans is sitting right there as a talented young player sitting behind him. So if nothing else, he's a guy that you can get in the late third, early fourth as a handcuff to Cam Akers. And at best, it's a guy that has an opportunity to start football games as a six-round pick. And as we know, uh, running backs have a short shelf life in general. In the NFL, we're seeing guys that were picked in the first round, second round, that just won't get a second contract. So the six-round pick, the fifth-round pick guys are have a very short leash. So even if he does become a starter, he's probably a starter for two years and then they slot somebody else in, you know, that that's kind of how this running back cycle is going. But with Zach Evans, it's a guy that you can get for very, very cheap that could end up starting games as a running back in an offense with an immobile quarterback. And I mean, not very many targets to throw to so they're gonna have to lean on this run game it's still the Sean McVay system where you saw you know I I don't want to bring up Todd Gurley because it's a different system (laughs) now than it than it was then uh and Todd Gurley was one of the most talented running backs in football but it's the system that that keeps running backs afloat like it's easy to digest and I think that's what Zach Evans kind of needs because there were times where you saw him struggling through reads on the offensive line, and you, you see some some vision issues on the tape. But coming into an offense where everything is kind of simplified, it could become a lot easier for Zach Evans. Man, it's just crazy to me that we've reached a point now where we're, you know, this is the final stretch here. We're almost finished. 2023 campers are, you know, getting ready to head out for good. We're talking about Zach Evans as a sleeper. Rewind the (laughs) clock to last summer and tell me that Zach Evans ends up as a sleeper in this class. But you're totally right because as of right now, on the board, 35th overall. And this does not include IDPs either. So you can add a couple of spots here where a guy like Zach Evans is actually, according to the crowdsourcing, a fourth round player. And it makes sense because he's a sixth round draft pick. Of course that makes sense. But at the same time, I and you and a lot of other people, I think are holding on to the player that we saw, even if he wasn't your RB three or four, this was a player that I think, you know, I, it's, it's, it was pretty shocking to see the fall of Zach Evans. And I, I still believe in this talent so much to the point where I see this spot in with Los Angeles and the Rams. And I really do believe there's opportunities there. And Cam Akers stands will fight me, you know, like, (laughs) what are you talking about, man? Like this guy's a six rounder who cares? Maybe even the Kyron Williams stands will come out of the woodwork. (laughs) I don't care about that, man. I just want to see Zach Evans on an NFL football field and see, you know, is what we saw at TCU and Ole Miss, is that player in there, can that translate to the NFL? Because I felt very strongly that it could. And until I see it for my own eyes, I I can't believe that this player won't have a role of some kind. 
and Cam Akers is a free agent next year. So after this year, Cam Akers is 25 years old. You know, who knows how this season goes? We're not, I'm not, I'm not like writing off Cam Akers completely, but even if he's goes through a full year and he's fine, what are the odds they're going to bring this guy back? You know, like we don't know for sure. He's a restricted free agent. So if nobody's really biting on him, they could probably get him back for cheap. And then you're, you have an interesting situation. But again, Zach Evans is a guy you can get in the late third, early fourth that has potential to head a backfield in a roster that's turning over that probably isn't that interested in paying or drafting a running back high in the near future. Great point. We're going to talk about another running back right now. And this is almost similar to Michael Wilson in the sense that I think maybe there's been a little bit of an ADP spike in the very you know, near or in the, in the last week is what I'm trying to say, because after many months of speculation, Dalvin cook was in fact cut from the Minnesota Vikings, which slots Alexander Madison into the RB one spot. However, Alexander Madison was not a highly touted player at all. He's looked fine in his, fill-in spots for Dalvin. But there is another running back here on this team that is interesting and enough so that I'm going to I'm going to slap the sleeper label on him here and that's Dwayne McBride because I didn't love McBride as a, you know, the the overall prospect profile of McBride, I was I was lower on him than a lot of these running backs. The very major part of my evaluation came down to the biggest problem that Dwayne McBride has, which is holding on to the football. Six fumbles last year at UAB, and obviously playing at UAB, playing against lower levels of competition, that comes in here as well. But there are times on tape with McBride where he looks like an NFL running back, and I think this is one of the best case scenarios for him in the same light as a Zach Evans, where he ends up, you know, there's, there's no draft steam behind him. And yet here we are where the Vikings have this very fluid running back room right now. It creates a situation where McBride could impress enough to end up in that RB2 spot behind Madison, and maybe that even turns into more throughout the season. So it's a player right now who is sitting at 31, which I guarantee is not where he was sitting two weeks ago. But even then, in the middle to the late half of the third round, it still becomes interesting because of the opportunity that might be available to him this season. Yeah, I I've been trying to talk myself into Dwayne McBride <laughs> since like you know week five of the college football season when he's ripping off, I mean a hundred and twenty to two hundred yards every game, and I I'm having a hard time, but the opportunity is undeniable. Where when you have running backs, all you need is for them to get carries. Uh, I, I mean, I saw a thing where it was like, you know, coaches don't care about 
how much talent a running back has. They just need you to fall forward and hold on to the ball. And, you know, Dwayne McBride, like you mentioned, might have trouble with holding on to the ball, but that's a fixable thing. Like, people have cured fumbleitis before. So he can definitely fall forward. He's a pretty... You know, he's a pretty dynamic running back. He didn't play against a lot of NFL-level talent in college. Uh, you mentioned that. I mean, it's a lower-level uh, program in general when it comes to UAB. And he only had 34 yards against LSU in the, the one game he played against a ranked FBS school. So uh, that that is something to think about. But, again... The opportunity is there where there's a, a running back room that is in flux. There's a team that is looking to, I mean, expunge any contracts that are left over from the old regime. I mean, it's, it seems like the only player that they're interested in keeping on this roster is Justin Jefferson, and everybody else is pretty much like, uh, you know, we don't need this guy, you know? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings do in the next few years. And, I mean, McBride could very well be a part of that plan. I mean, he's drafted under the new regime. There is something to be said about that. And though it is a seventh-round pick, and his his ADP is being inflated a little bit here, and I don't know if that's just a bubble that'll pop when – you know, it, it dies down a little bit. This Delvin news is a little less fresh. Maybe you can get in on uh, his ADP at a more reasonable level for an RB2, question mark RB2 in an offense. But it's very much a a guy that has opportunity to be a real running back on a, a good offense. Yeah, I like him a lot more in the fourth round. I think yeah. this, you know, the 31 thing is a little bit, it's pushing the the comfort zone here with a player of this caliber. Like you said, a seventh round pick. He is still behind Alex Madison for now. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, 1700 yards last year, 19 touchdowns. This was, you know, to put that 34 spot and throw it out the window. And this guy still has almost 1700 yards rushing. So yeah, it's a productive player. And we, you know, we know that stats aren't everything, but he, like you said, he's, he's dynamic. He's a good runner. He's not the long-term solution, but can he see the field potentially? And that's all I need from a running back at this, at that stage of the draft. So, yep. Let's talk about some deeper guys in this class, some deep sleepers, players that we really haven't talked much about here at Camp Dynasty, guys that, uh, for the most part, looking at who we have to talk about here, aren't even in my top 48 as of right now. But these are guys who I could see having an impact, and I want to hear your number one player here because this is a very interesting one. Uh, give it to me. So I got Puka Nakua as my deeper sleeper. And Nakua's been getting a little bit of love from Cooper Cup and the Rams brass in this offseason. As 
you know, every late pick, you know, the GMs are like, hey, send out the tweets, guys. You know, send yeah. out the, the training camp highlights. You know, we want the, the fan base to feel good, to, to make them think, well, I'm good at my job. But uh, Nikola was picked in the fifth round by the Rams. You know, I'm just really feeling the Rams draft, apparently. Uh, but he he is a, you know, interesting player out of BYU. He's 6'2", 205. He's kind of like Robert Woods. You know, there, there's a little bit of a similarity there where he's not a super explosive athlete, but he does his work after the catch. And he has, he's just a solid fundamental receiver that can, you know, he's, he's very versatile. He can move around and I can see why he, you know, you would be surprised when he comes on the field and it's like, Oh, okay. This is a, this is a fun player. And as we've talked about with all of these guys so far, there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, the it's Cooper cup, it's Van Jefferson. And I mean, there's not a whole lot else there. I mean, like you can make arguments for a lot of guys, but I think Nakua is a different player than Van Jefferson and Cup. I think Van Jefferson is a very nice deep threat that can stretch the field. I, I mean, Cup is obviously one of the best receivers in football. And then Nakua just plays a different role than both of those. And I think he can play on the field with both of those guys. So if you're going three wide receiver sets, you might see a lot of Nakua. But uh, I, I just feel like he is a a player that has a lot of you know skill with the ball in his hands in an offense that needs guys that you know can do stuff after the catch can can make people miss because as we know Stafford is uh, he's limited at this point in his career I mean he he's got injuries piling up he's never been mobile really in his career and it's only getting He's only getting less mobile as the career moves forward. So you need to be able to get out, get the ball out of your hands quickly. And it can't always be the Cooper cup though. I mean, 2021 might tell you a different story, (laughs) but in general, there, there are other guys that you're going to need to throw the ball to, especially as teams levy their coverages more and more against Cooper cup, because you know, the rest of the guys are a little bit more forgettable. So there there's opportunity here and i think nakua is a little better than a you know the fifth round draft capital might suggest uh because he had a little bit of a off and on season uh where he you know 30 50 yards and then he'd pop off for a buck 50 and then so it it was kind of like a a seesaw season for nakua where he's either blowing up or he's not doing a ton. And I mean, you could very well see that in this kind of offense where, you know, Cooper cup is getting his 15 targets and then he's just getting the little leftovers, you know, that kind of thing. And it could be a whole lot of nothing, but every once in a while you pop off that you break a couple tackles and it can get interesting. Yeah. Nakua was a player that I did. I did like his 2022 film at BYU. I thought this was an interesting, like you said, after the catch player, uh, good catch point player, very all around receiver. 
probably to his detriment. I don't think he's a guy that does anything particularly well, but he is in this interesting situation again in LA with the Rams because this team is experiencing some turnover. There's some uncertainty here and he's getting the treatment right now. He's getting the the, the OTA you know, the rookie mini cab and the OT like he's getting the reports coming out that he's impressing. And so, you know, 90% of those end up, you look back and you say, okay, yeah, that was BS, but there are always a few guys where it's, it's legit. They end up having roles, bigger roles than you expected necessarily based on their draft capital. And Nakua is a player that, like you just said, I think is better than his fifth round draft slots is, is suggestive of. So this is a really interesting guy, a guy that is not in my top 48, like I said, but if he's available in a post fourth round environment, I'm definitely looking to pick him up. Something else that I like about Nakua is I think he fits really well in the McFay scheme because he was really he, he was solid on handoffs in and, and he's solid out, out of that like slot screen whether it's like a bubble screen or like a smoke screen i really like him just getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage and then making a couple things happen and i i think that in the mcveigh scheme where you you throw him in motion and i i know that's a little more outdated at this point and and again cooper cup does a lot of that stuff too, where he's the guy going in motion and getting the handoffs. But having some fresh legs that are taking handoffs and taking a few more of those hits is probably something they'll be looking for to preserve Cup. And he did a lot of that at BYU, and he was really good. So I I would be interested to see if you see him going and, and taking a few of those handoffs. Yeah, and I should say Nakua right now is... 41st on the KTC rookie board. So fourth round right now, but again, this is no IDP. So he's pushing the limits, I think, in terms of draftable right now within the community. Uh, and that's that's perfect. That's right where I'd want to snatch him up, right at the end of the fourth or beyond. Yeah, I have him, I have him ranked, I think, like right at the end of the fourth round. It's like 46 or something like that. Well, that's a good segue into my first deeper sleeper because I am also taking a look at a receiver that is lower in the draft than I was personally expecting before the NFL draft happened. But it has slotted him into this really nice deep sleeper role where he's going he's he's very inexpensive, but I think there's a lot of talent to work with here and that is Tyler Scott, the wide receiver from Cincinnati, got drafted by the Bears in the fourth round. So this was a player that a lot of folks had on the radar, expected him to go day two, and he falls to the fourth round. Uh, But that being said, I mean, he gets drafted by Chicago, who obviously just acquired DJ Moore. That is the new number one target that they've been waiting for there. 
But beyond that, there is some murkiness. We're not entirely sure what Darnell Mooney is at this point. We're not really sure what sort of, you know, where does Cole Komet fall in the hierarchy here? How much volume does this offense even provide in terms of passing numbers with Justin Fields? We still need to see him take that step forward as a passer. But all of that said, it creates a very interesting situation for Tyler Scott, who I think has a lot of talent, more talent, in my opinion, than is suggestive of his fourth-round draft capital. And a player right now, according to KTC, 47th on the board. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, factor in the IDPs here. He's way undrafted in a fourth-round draft. So it's, I think, Folks have been lower on Scott in the dynasty community for a while, given the type of player that he is. He is a bit more of that deep threat. You're not sure week to week what you're going to get with this player, but I do think he has enough talent in what he does to carve out a potential role in this offense. And that's all I care about in the fourth round and beyond. Like I keep saying, you just need opportunities. And I think Scott could find some this season. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like body types in the Chicago offense with or in the Chicago receiving room with Mooney, DJ Moore, Tyler Scott, where it's these, you know, shorter speed threat kind of receivers that can make a play on any given play. Uh I think Scott is is a very interesting player and I think he fits really well with Justin Fields. And I'd feel a lot better about his like production if Darnell Mooney wasn't there, because I feel like he is like fit for that role right there. Because, like you said, he is a very good deep threat, and with Fields and the, I mean, he's he has one of the prettiest deep balls in football, and having Tyler Scott be his deep threat would be really nice after DJ Moore is their wide receiver one and Claypool does whatever he's capable of doing at this point. Uh, so, man, I, I like him. I I really like his feet. Like, I feel like he's a really good route runner and he can, I mean, make people miss after the catch with his, he's got good wiggle. He's not, like, overly loose, but it, it, he just, like, puts the foot in the ground and changes directions really well. So I I think the, I mean, the draft position, the dynasty draft position is informed by the fact that there's a lot of like bodies in this room and that Darnell Mooney is there, but I think that he is very talented. And I, I think like, like you said, there, there are probably targets to be had and the fields keeps going on this trajectory where he's, passing the ball more often and this offense becomes more dynamic I mean they've been doing a good job adding help around fields and you know adding O-line talent because they desperately needed that to keep him clean for a little longer so you could see pass attempts go up and then Tyler Scott work his way up that uh up the depth chart and then you know be on the receiving end of some of those bombs let's talk about some running backs we got two of them. Give me your deep sleeper at the running back position. My deep sleeper at the running back position is Eric Gray. 
of the New York Giants from the Oklahoma Sooners. So, uh, do I love the player? I don't love the player. And I've talked about that before. But like we talked about with McBride, it's not necessarily about that. It's more so about where can I find volume late in the draft? Where can I find a running back that is going to, I mean, play snaps? And the reason I went with Eric Gray is because of the Saquon Barkley situation. We, he is threatening a holdout. <laughs> like that is the latest news where he stood up and said, I am not happy with the franchise tag. I'm not happy with the amount of money that they're willing to pay me. And I talked about it earlier. Running backs have a short shelf life. You know, even the most talented running backs we've seen in a long time are not getting, you know, the the big contract that they're expecting. And so could he hold out? I doubt it. But he likely ends up playing on the tag. And then he tests free agency next year, and this running back room is wide open. So, Eric Ray was a fifth-round pick. Uh, He is the prototype size for a running back. He had 1,400 yards on the ground last year, six yards per carry. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't love him as a player. Like, he's not special as a runner, but he's a guy that can get you four yards consistently like you can just hand him the ball and he will find a way to get the forward yardage and I I mentioned before with McBride like coaches want a guy that they can trust with the ball in their hands regardless if they're going to score a touchdown or not like if they are a home run threat every play that's not necessarily what coaches are looking for at their running back that is what the passing game is for in some quarterbacks minds or in some coaches minds so their running back is a guy they need to trust to get that third and two and you know fall forward and hold on to the ball and Eric Gray is a you know trustworthy guy with the ball in his hands and so and he can I mean he can make people miss like he's not a scrub but he's just not like incredibly talented so he's down here and he has opportunity and he has shown that he can do well with opportunity yeah eric gray is a product of this deep running back class i feel like because i feel like in many other years you would have this sort of player as you know kind of the rb you know eight to ten in the class and in this in this instance uh, right now, I mean, 44th on the board, uh, according to KTC, that is, uh, oh, they don't have it. Never mind. I thought I was going to say it's like running back 15 or something, but yeah. it, it's probably about in that range, somewhere from 12 to 14. Uh, and I mean, it's a decent player. It is. It's not, he, he, you know, maybe he's a Jag when it's all said and done. You know, the, we talk about the Jags and the running back rooms. That might be Eric Gray. In fact, I think that's probably what he is. But that being said, if there is no Saquon Barkley on this team, right. 
exactly right so we're that's that's the situation we're looking for here and uh, and obviously there is also a little bit of injury history with Saquon Barkley as well so even if he's back the Giants handcuffs have been a thing for a while you know we've we've lived through Wayne Gallman I was gonna say Wayne Gallman (laughs) was a starting running back on one of my teams I don't need to do that again I will happily take Eric Gray over Wayne Gallman so 44th and that probably is extended maybe even past 48 in terms of entering uh idps in the conversation as well so um yeah interesting situation and that is a a a good segue also into my player who's in the same spot in terms of the rankings here uh and that is chris rodriguez so 46th for Chris Rodriguez. So these two players right now, both at the end of the fourth slam some IDPs in there. These are probably both undrafted players. And that's, that's what I'm looking for here. I'm not drafting Chris Rodriguez. I, I like Brian Robinson. Okay. I do. I have investment in Brian Robinson, but I cannot, I cannot ignore the fact that, that the commanders were one of the worst rushing offenses in football last season. We, you know, they have the thunder and lightning, Ryan Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And it's a, it's a battle all season between Gibson people and Robinson people. What if the answer is just neither of them. And Chris Rodriguez kind of enters this, this world here with the commanders where if he is impressive enough he could threaten for some snaps over Brian Robinson, most likely because they're similar players. They're both Ron Rivera running backs. We saw how far that took Brian Robinson, even with his low efficiency, Ron Rivera kept riding him, give him 18 touches a game, 20 touches a game. If Rodriguez comes into camp and looks better than Brian Robinson, which is possible, even as a sixth round draft pick, I think there is a situation where he starts to take a little bit of the share of this backfield because this is a player that has great contact balance, runs like a Mack truck. You know, he is the type of guy, a a lot of folks have compared him to Isaiah Pacheco in this class because Eric Bieniemy is there now and we're, we're drawing dots all over the place. Like we gotta, we gotta fit a chiefs guy in here. I don't know about all that, but I do think that the player is interesting and worthy of that sort of UDFA priority uh, in this in this draft class. He is a pretty angry runner. Uh, he's Very not, angry. He, he's not the kind of angry runner that Pacheco is, but he he just runs like some of the times he's not even putting his shoulder down to get through people. He's just like ignoring that you exist (laughs) where he's just going to go and it's your responsibility to tackle him. Otherwise he's going North and South. So uh, definitely a Ron Rivera type of running back. And like you said, a a lot like Brian Robinson, where there's not a ton of like overwhelming athleticism to, to show here, but there's a lot of, you know, he's he's a pretty good pass catcher. He's a strong runner. He will get you that three yards in a cloud of dust on the goal line. And 
I mean, there's there's a little bit of a Chris Rodriguez hive in the dynasty community, and I I don't know if it's completely warranted, but he's a he's a very very interesting player, and the Antonio Gibson era is I mean entering year four, and we're still seeing pretty much the same thing we've seen since the beginning, and so. You, you could definitely see Rodriguez, like, like you said, compete for some snaps. And if you start hearing some positive buzz out of camp, that that's when you know things start to pick up a little bit and you start to get a little more interested. But, yeah, priority kind of waiver if you're in need of a running back or if you have like a Brian Robinson, you can hedge a little bit and just kind of have this guy sitting in your back pocket on, on a taxi or something where – you can, you know, give him a, a year or so to see if he makes impact or not. And then you haven't really, you know, spent anything on a guy that has a, a chance to uh, make an impact on an NFL roster. Let's talk about some IDPs. So, like I said at the top, we have three levels for IDPs, starting with your normal sleeper and i'll go first on this one been making you go first so i'll let you sit back kick your legs up i got day and henley which is a player i see you kicking him up i like that get comfortable i got day and henley so last week when we ran through the entire class d-line linebackers dbs Henley's name came up as an honorable mention in in the linebacker department. And it's not really a guy that I think is on a lot of radars right now, just because the IDP class is so, I don't want to say weak, but I think it's pretty weak. (laughs) So it ends up pushing a lot of guys down the board where you have players like Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson being third round picks where normally we'd see those guys maybe even in the second round. And that creates a situation now where Henley, Dan Henley is a, a, a certifiable sleeper in this class because if you're getting a player like this in the fourth round, I think it's a slam dunk. Because we talked about it last week, the opportunity is available in L.A. with the Chargers. Eric Kendricks is there, but there isn't much else going on. Kenneth Murray has not developed into the player that uh, we thought he was going to be. And we've seen Chargers linebackers produce in fantasy. In fact, in some cases, uh, become very effective linebackers. I'm thinking of Drew Tranquil right now. So... Henley is a very interesting player in the sense that he has both, uh, you know, the coverage ability as well as the wrap-up tackling ability. I mentioned last week this is a player that is pretty raw in the position, meaning he's only been playing linebacker for a few years, and he's already, you know, gotten himself to a point where he was a third-round draft pick for the Chargers. And I think he's just going to continue to get better and better. And that's the sort of player I'm looking to invest in in the fourth round. Yeah, this Chargers linebacker room has been in desperate need of talent for a long time. I mean, 
you talk about Drew Tranquil, you talk about like Kaiser White, you talk about these guys that had put up 140 tackle seasons and just are not that good. Like they're they're putting up these seasons, you know, in spite of the fact that they're not very talented just because of number 1 the scheme that they play in and number 2 they're the only guys on their team. So now they have Eric Kendricks and they have Dan Henley here and it starts to get interesting because you have some real talent in the linebacker room and you have guys that hopefully can go stop the run because the Chargers haven't been able to do that in like six years. So I, I, I like this a lot. I mean, the number one thing you're looking for with, uh, with linebackers is opportunity. And he absolutely has the opportunity to be, the I mean number one linebacker, the number two next to Eric Kendricks, and still has the opportunity to be very productive. On that same note, give me your sleeper IDP in the class. I can't stop talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> Demarvian Overshown is out of Texas. He went to the Cowboys, and he he is just a very he's a very interesting player. Like I I've been following him through the entire season, uh, watching the Bijan games, like tuning into Texas, and then just being like, man, who is number zero on defense? Like this guy is all over the place, and he's making all kinds of plays, and the best way to describe Overshawn is he's like shot out of a cannon every single time. Like he is flying to the ball at six four two twenty five. He's a little bit of a like some people might call him a tweener, but I think he's like a pretty secure tackler, and he looks like a linebacker out on the field. Like he he doesn't feel like a DB that is transitioning to play linebacker. He looks pretty big, and he plays pretty big. I, I I just don't think that the the tweener thing applies to him. He gets off blocks really well on the second level. Like he doesn't really let linemen get up and engage and stick to him. Where you might see a smaller player get into a little bit of a bind when uh, a lineman comes up to the next level and it might not be able to get off that block. It doesn't seem like it's really a, a big issue for Overshone. And all that being said, he went to the Cowboys in the third round and they just don't really have a ton of guys at the off ball linebacker position. And I just feel like they've been looking for a, a guy that can kind of fly around and make a ton of plays at that second level. And they've tried to put Micah Parsons at the off ball spot just to get a little juice there. I mean, I, I mentioned in a previous episode, they like signed Keanu Neal and they got Donovan Wilson up in the box a lot. And, uh, they've just been looking for a guy that is versatile that 
can play in that, you know, box rover role where he's not like stuck as a middle linebacker, but can also do a few other things. And I just think he fits really well in this scheme on top of being a pretty talented player. Yeah. He, I mean, right now looking at their depth chart, he's listed as the second string strong side linebacker behind Jabril Cox, who they took in the fourth round two years ago and who had very minimal impact last season so i think the the topic of the evening which has been opportunity certainly applies here with overshone and i think this is one of the linebackers when you move past this like top group of the names that like you know you get even into like the henley and another player we might even we're going to talk about later I think Overshone is sort of in this tier of guys where he's really under the radar in the in the greater IDP community, but it's a guy that has a lot of skill and who has the opportunity available to him to get this strong side linebacker starting starting role. And I think it's a role he, that he would excel in, and I think uh, that's why we're going to see it happen uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about some deep sleepers on the IDP side of things. So my deep sleeper is an interesting name because I'm going with the D line spot here. And we know how deep this class runs at pass rusher. We talked about it even last week. The honorable mentions, I mean, I had two and you had two and we didn't even have any of the same ones. So, and I'm going to throw out a name that we didn't talk about at all and that we haven't really talked about at all, period, all season long at Camp Dynasty. And that is Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison made a very brief appearance, I think, in the middle of the college football season because when Ohio State played Maryland, Zach Harrison took over the game. You remember that game? The I classic do. when Talia Tungavailoa was going to take over and he was going to make his mark. And then Zach Harrison got the sack, the strip sack at the end of the game to seal it. That was the big moment from Zach this year. And the reason why you didn't hear much of this name beyond that is because there really was not much beyond that in terms of production. That has always been the big challenge with the Zach Harrison evaluation is you just don't see the production showing up. This is a premier athlete, a former top recruit who goes to Ohio state. He's supposed to walk in the same shoes as these elite pass rushers that have come before him that have went through Columbus and he did not do it in the same way. Now he gets drafted by the Falcons in the third round of this draft. And we have talked for a long time about how badly the Falcons need pass rush help. This was the second, the team with the second fewest sacks last season with only 21 as a team over the course of the entire season. Now, they have, you know, Arnold Abakite, who they drafted last year, who had some promising signs as a rookie last year. 
Bud Dupree is in town these days. <laughs> Lorenzo Carter is still there. What I'm getting at is these are all just names. And I think there is a developmental journey for Zach Harrison where he ends up being a starting pass rusher for this team because of his athletic talent. And if they can nurture him, if they can get a little bit more out of him, refine his skills as a pass rusher and build him into something, I think there is a chance that he ends up as a sleeper D lineman in this very deep class. Zach Harrison has great hands. Like the, (laughs) the, the way he gets his pressure is like, he gets his hands on that tackle first. And they're just like, he's so strong that he can stonewall that tackle and just like wait it out and then shift him one way or the other. And he's great at, you know, finding that ball on sacks and getting strip sacks like the Talia Tungavailoa strip sack, like you mentioned, and he had one against Minnesota that was pretty clutch where they were down three and ended up being a strip sack for a touchdown. I think he has pretty good eyes. I mean, like, there is a lot to like about Harrison. It's just, like, it was disappointing. Like, the the season as a whole is not what you were looking for, but there is like you said, a a raw athleticism. There is talent here to be had. He, he had a lot of pressures for this Ohio state team and he was clutch in moments that they needed him to. And I really liked that he played inside and out in, in this defense. Like he obviously played more on the edge. He's an edge player, but he has the ability to play on the inside. So I I could very well see him overtaking some of the, I mean, like the Bud Dupree's by the end of the season, especially since they're so keen on like getting these young athletic players in this building as soon as possible and, and developing these guys and, the, you know, getting a fun, exciting team out there. Like they have had, they had less sacks in the last three years than the Eagles had in 2022 alone Jesus. so they desperately need guys and Bud Dupree isn't really the solution to that yeah I mean definitely not and you know it might take a couple years like don't you know this is a guy don't expect it necessarily to come this year but that's why you're a deep sleeper we're gonna stash you for a couple seasons and hope to hit the lottery he also bats balls down but like, we're back to the hands. See, the hand. when you said that initially, I just had this mental image of you like looking at a Google Images photo of like Zach Harrison's hand and being like, "This oh. guy's good. This guy's good hands." No. I know that's. <laughs> I knew that wasn't what you meant, but that's just what I pictured. I don't know. I'm great hands. Yeah, you know, it's, could be a hand it's model. Too far gone into this into this draft class. I'm losing my sanity. <laughs> I think. Uh, all right, give me your deep sleeper. Yes, uh, Dorian Williams. There he, he is. He went to the Bills in the third round. He's out of Tulane. Another undersized linebacker. This guy's 6'2", 225. So, Overshone was 6'4", 225. Dorian Williams is 6'2", 225. You see it a little more on Williams. He is a smaller player. Uh, he can get caught up on 
you know, linebackers or on uh, on tackles or guards that are coming, pulling, getting to the second level. He might get stuck on those. But he is like a su- super instinctual player, which leads to him getting sacks, leads to him getting tackles for loss. I mean, gets him in passing lanes. I mean, I mentioned Overshone who got shot out of cannon. Like, Dorian Williams is fast like he can fly as soon as he hones in on his target and he makes a decision he is going man and yeah so he had his best season last year with Tulane he had 131 tackles I mean he is all over the field uh so Tremaine Edmonds leaves the Bills and that leaves a whole for behind Matt Milano for someone to fill. And I mean, the, this is the opposite player of Matt Milano. Like Milano is a fundamentally sound, like trust your eyes, trust your reads. He's very heady linebacker and like a secure tackler, a solid pass coverage linebacker. And then Dorian Williams just like runs around with his hair on fire and like, I'm going, you know, <laughs> like I am going to go make that play while Milano might, you know, read it out and go make that tackle two yards down. You know, Dorian Williams is going to go and, you know, maybe he'll get fooled by the play action and, you know, be out of position, but he might also tackle the guy five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So I think he very well could be the like, the, the yin to Matt Milano's yang in this linebacker room where Tremaine Edmonds was a little more of a passive pass coverage, go make it happen. You know, they were him and Matt Milano were pretty similar players. I think you bring in Williams and he is, you know, the, uh, the, you know, athlete that is going to just go make plays and uh, be a, a dynamic player on this Bill's defense. Yeah, that that is really one of the best ways to describe Dorian Williams is dynamic. He brings a little bit of everything. Obviously, you mentioned the size. That's one of the reasons why he, you know, falls to the third round. But even then, third round draft capital for a linebacker is is just fine for me. You know, I'm anything on day two is intriguing. And I think Dorian Williams is one of the better linebacker prospects in the entire class. Uh, you talk about his coverage ability, one of the better cover linebackers in the entire class for sure. That also translated the two interceptions last season, so there's always that potential as well. You like seeing that ability with guys like, I always think back to Logan Wilson. The coverage ability shows up on tape in college. It, it does translate in the NFL, and that the, the extra production there is helpful, as are potential sack numbers here. Another player here with a few sacks from the off-ball linebacker position, that's Dorian Williams. So you get a little bit of everything here, and like you said, the exit, Tremaine Edmonds' exit from this team provides an opportunity, and this is the player that I alluded to earlier where I think you know folks might even be kind of viewing this player as a guy they're looking to snatch up uh, in that sort of third, second to third tier of linebackers in the class because uh, of his talent and the opportunity. So, yeah, I, I definitely like Williams quite a bit in this group. 
So how about we talk about even deeper sleepers for the IDPs because you can never have enough IDP in your in your in your brain at one time. I mean, if I'm if we're not even drafting Harrison and Williams, I'm not sure what we're doing with these guys, but I got to tell you I'm doing something with at least one of them. <laughs> so on your radar. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. But get tag them with the little like star, the like star, on my the watch, watch list, list star. and yep. just make sure you never lose visibility into them. Uh, everybody here who's listened to Camp Dynasty or even just last week's episode alone knows who I'm going to talk about here, and I will not apologize for it. It's Ivan Pace Jr. Again, this is a UDFA. Okay, I understand that. I love this player. And I'm not alone, by the way, because if you just go out right now, I was doing a little bit of dig- digging today to see is there any, you know, news from the Vikings? Like, how's I even been looking? What's going on? There are numerous tweets many of them from vikings fan accounts but numerous (laughs) tweets about how this is the biggest steal of an undrafted player like ever like people are getting crazy about this and a little bit more reasonably he was actually named the best udfa signing across the nfl this year of all time Uh, of all time no (laughs) just this season but he was named the best by PFF. So there is a lot of steam here. And, uh, and if you followed college football, you know this name because he was one of the most productive players in the entire game last fall. And, man, I just keep coming back to the fact that there are opportunities available for Ivan Pace in this defense. Brian Flores comes to Minnesota. Eric Hendricks is gone there is fluidity in that room. And even as an undrafted player, I think he's going to do what he always does, which is impress on a football field. Go back to Mobile. When Ivan Pace, small, 5'10", undersized Ivan Pace, was destroying some of the top prospects in the class, as a middle linebacker in and, and in pass rush situations. Remember, this is one of the most productive players in terms of a pass rusher from the off-ball position. In fact, he had more sacks last season than Drew Sanders, who we have referred to on this program as Diet Micah Parsons. Maybe hyperbolically, but I'm Very just hyperbolically. saying. So... <laughs> Yeah, very hyperbolically. But that being said, that just goes to show how productive Ivan Pace was last year. And, man, I just – I'm not going to stop believing in him. He keeps proving people wrong, and I got to believe he can do it one last time, make an impact in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Pace is it's all about his size. It has to be. Right. Because there is nothing else that suggests – that he deserves to be an undrafted free agent. I mean, everything on the field shows that this guy is a sound linebacker that can win in pass rush situations, whether 
on the line of scrimmage or blitzing. Like both situations, he could win one on one. Even though he is a small guy, it doesn't matter. Like so, so pace is a very, very interesting player that has a very, in my opinion, a very high ceiling for a player that you can get for free in your drafts. I mean, this is a guy that you can like probably pick up week three, four, you know, if he's not starting by then, like you can just pick him up after a guy gets injured, throw your guy on IR and bring in Ivan Pace just to, you know, wait it out and see what happens. Cause I mean, the talent is there. The skill is there. The polish is there. It's just all, the only thing that's not is the size. And that does hurt in terms of like pass coverage because you can get the ball dropped over your head and layered into that, you know, soft zone. If you're playing that cover two, that traditional cover two, you can drop it between the linebacker and the safety if the linebacker is only 5'11. But I mean, outside of that, like, this is just a really good linebacker that can rack up a ton of set, a ton of stats. Well, we we tend to call these players lottery picks. Ivan Pace Jr. is like the free raffle ticket. Like, yeah, I'll take a raffle ticket. Doesn't cost me anything, right? Yeah, okay, cool. You probably won't win, but if you do, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun for you. So that's what I'm talking about with Ivan Pace this year. Love it. Give me your deeper sleeper at IDP to round out the program, Colin. Yeah, our my my raffle ticket that I got for you. There he is. So the DB class is not great this year. Like it is very shallow, if you can even say it's shallow, because I mean we don't have like any idea about any of these players if they're going to make an impact at all, and. So I went with the DB here. I went with Marte Mapu, who went to the New England Patriots. And it was it was interesting because he played linebacker at Sacramento State. And he is a, a very small player. I mean, we're talking about 215. So this is like 6'3". He measured in at 220, but I think he plays more towards 215 because he – so he's going to play DB likely in this Bill Belichick defense. And what is nice about Mapu is he is a sound tackler and he is very good in coverage. So – I don't know for sure if this is going to be a player that, you know, is going to be in the Kyle, like the Kyle Duggar mold where he's just kind of running around and, you know, stuffing things before they really have a chance to develop. And that would be what is the best case scenario for Mapu. Uh, or, I mean, they have him listed as linebacker on their roster right now. But it's also the Patriots, so we have no idea what that really means. He could be in the box all the time and, you know, clogging things up, flying around, getting PBUs. So Mapu is just a, you know, he's a dart throw. He's a a raffle ticket, a lottery ticket, where you, 
nobody's drafting this guy. <laughs> like nobody's it's he's not on the board. But throw him on the watch list and and see where he ends up in this New England pecking order and and see what kind of role he ends up playing if he's you know playing 70 percent of snaps that's when it starts to you know starts to get interesting with mapu and it's like oh this is a it's a a guy that has db eligibility that's a good tackler that is in a system that's friendly to these dbs that can go up and make plays so let's take a shot and see what happens. So, and he's a converted linebacker because he is a, you know, he has those skills. So here's Mapu. He's a classic Patriot, right? Yes. I mean, it's just, what, what is he? What does it look like? What is his role? We don't, we don't have any idea, but he is right as of right now, a DB and a DB only in sleeper. So fantasy-wise, dynasty-wise, you're looking at this player as a DB. And, yeah, I love the I love the point about this class just overall being very murky, very unpredictable. And a guy like Mapu, who is sort of, you know, the ultimate wild card here, potentially emerging as something uh, more than we expected going in. So love it. And he was a third-round pick. And he was a third-round pick. He went in that Which cluster. Which was pretty shocking. All those guys, a lot of these guys that we've talked about, the Henley, Dorian Williams, I mean, all yep. these guys. Overshone. Dor- DeMar- yeah, Overshone. I mean, they all went in this sort of cluster in the third round where it, it made it even harder to understand what to do with these guys in terms of dynasty. But um, that is sleepers. For the 2023 class, it is, you know, we've, we've talked about this thing for a long time. We broke it down positionally over the last five weeks here. But you take a look, you take a zoom out a little bit, look at this thing very high level. Where is the value in drafts? And I think we identified a few areas and, and a few players specifically where uh, the value really lines up well. So something to consider entering rookie drafts and uh that being said there is not much left to do and i mentioned this last week we finished final our final ranking series here we got through some sleepers there are only two episodes left in season one of camp dynasty i say that to prepare anybody who is hungry for 2024 draft content I know it's coming out. I see it more and more every day now. It's it, Somehow we've reached a point now where early June, people are hungry for next year. And I'm hungry too. I'm ready. But we have a couple more weeks with these guys, with our guys. We've followed them for almost an entire year. And next week, I said last week, saying it again, and I'll say it more because it's very exciting. We are doing final community mock draft here at camp dynasty this is our way of bringing everybody together and celebrating this class in one sort of final manner in a mock draft format and see what folks are thinking where the value is where we're off versus where other folks might be 
So I'm very excited to do that. We, we did the community mock in March. That was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing how everything has changed uh, at this point. Yeah, definitely. Everybody has their opinions on these players signed and sealed at this point. Like, there there is no more, you know, where does this player, where is this player going to get drafted? I mean, that's what we were talking about in March after the community mock. Now everybody has their opinion. A lot of people have done their rookie drafts. A few people are going to be doing their rookie drafts soon. And so they they have opinions. They have strong opinions about these players. And so hopefully we can we can get some clarity on what the community thinks about these guys and how much that differs from what, how we feel about those players. And then we can kind of play with that in the, the podcast episode following. So... I'm 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 excited to see how much different the the community mock is versus our personal rankings and like the Camp Dynasty rankings. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited for that. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So, if you made it to this point of the program, look out for a link to the community mock. It is first come, first serve. We will be tweeting out the link to the draft on Sleeper from the Camp Dynasty Twitter account, which is at Camp underscore Dynasty. So follow us there to keep an eye out for that. That will be coming, I think, some point this weekend. We will have some clarity on that as well coming out from the handle uh, later this week as well. So keep your eyes there. Also follow us at Camp.Dynasty on TikTok and Camp Dynasty on YouTube for the video feeds of the pod uh and man i just i can't believe we're here i'm, I'm not i'm gonna keep the the finale i'm gonna keep it close to the vest we'll share what that's gonna be next week but it's just it's crazy and i'm just I've, i'm so excited to get the camp dynasty community together for one final mock yeah me too i'm excited for the the community mock i'm excited for the conclusion the send-off of these of these 2023 players you know we've talked about every player that you could think of with <laughs> after this episode like we're, we're talking down to to Marte Mapu and Ivan Pace we've covered up from Bijan and we get to finish up this class tie a bow and then move on to I mean the the people that are getting talked about already you know your marvin harrison the that is the class that we're moving on to you know so 2024 is coming but we we gotta we gotta give these guys their proper their proper send-off before that can happen absolutely so uh thanks for listening this week like subscribe rate review share the podcast we appreciate that if you enjoyed it Uh, and we will see you again next week for the Community Mock. So until that point, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty. See you next week.